You are listening to the Choose Your Struggle Podcast, a member of the Shameless Podcast Network. Welcome to the Choose Your Struggle Podcast. I'm your host, Jay Schiffman. On this show, I interview people with lived and learned experiences on the topics of mental health, substance misuse and recovery, and drug use and policy. But occasionally we talk about other topics as well. Today's guest is Shay Hauser, one of the co-founders of U-Turn, a platform that promotes honest and fact-based education around the issues of mental health and substance misuse and recovery. But first, Kid Mental, let's go. Things ain't always gonna go our way, but you can always win when you just struggle. And some battles will be yesterday, but today is for a new beginning. You just struggle, and don't worry about what they say, but you can always win when you just struggle. And you can bounce back, just as Jay. Come on in, listen to just struggle. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Choose Your Struggle podcast. Thank you so much for being here today. I am like, I'm exhausted. I'm not physically exhausted. In fact, as soon as I'm done recording this, I'm going to go ride the exercise bike for a while. But I'm emotionally exhausted because yesterday, as I record this, was International Overdose Awareness Day. I spent the morning... In early into the afternoon in Harrisburg, the capital here in Pennsylvania, with Savage and a bunch of other organizations, uh, Sarah spoke, and she was incredible. I will say this. Uh, Sarah was the only speaker to really call for for change beyond just dignity. Um, I mean, there were little things here and there, but Sarah directly challenged a lot of the ways that leadership and our current laws uh, make it absolutely disastrous. And and that kind of stuff makes me sad. It makes me really sad because, uh, as I talked about on Monday's episode, if the, the bar for us is so low that just dignity and recognition is enough, if you're not, if you're not moving forward, you're sinking. And... We're not moving forward. We're we're sinking rapidly, and so I really appreciated her for that, um, calling out, as she said, the the good old boys club of leadership, and um, just the the disastrous way that we currently uh, source or, or just deal with with addiction, mental health, drug use, all of these things at at the leadership level is just awful and I appreciated her for calling that out there was a lot there were a couple of speakers who were in public policy and in a couple of elected leaders and they all focused on the we've you know I'm here with you I understand what you're going through no you don't fuck that no you don't you just no you don't you wouldn't say that to anyone else that made me think of this one time I had a person I met with who works in the addiction space and she started telling me about how the reason she got into addiction you know because I asked that all the time was she was a reporter for a paper and her beat was the crime beat. And it got to the point where, you know, she was covering, this was early in what we now call the opioid epidemic. And she was she was writing about heroin so often, she said, and I quote, it was like I was addicted to heroin. Can, can you imagine 
if you had cancer or if you were in, you know, in remission and somebody was like, oh, my God, oh, my God, cancer, I get it. I know what cancer feels like. I used to write about cancer so much. It was like I had cancer. What a, what an idiotic thing to say. And that's what a lot of these speeches were like yesterday. And just all of this, I'm just emotionally exhausted. We, we took a lot of pictures. I made a sign that said this is what an overdose survivor looks like. And it was like we all took pictures with it. And, um, you know, we were all there. There were all these pictures of people who were who hadn't made it through their overdose. And it was just I'm just dealing with that from yesterday. So that is where I am today. <laughs> I'm so like emotionally exhausted. I'm not even standing up as I record this. I, I my for those of you who, who don't watch the, the live storytelling stuff, um, which, by the way, rock bottom three last week was unbelievable. Thank you so much. The 200 and something, 250 people turned in, tuned in. Thank you. All the storytellers were incredible. Thank you. Rio Lanza, who was a musician, was amazing. Thank you. It was it was fantastic. Um, rock bottom four is coming in November. Anyway, if you haven't tuned in, <laughs> my setup is, you know, in a corner. I have a standing desk for my recording stuff. And I dragged the standing desk over to my regular desk and I lowered it. So I am sitting here recording this and it looks ridiculous. And I just I don't have it in me today to stand and make this all happen. So speaking of making this all happen, um, there was an audio, there was a technical technical glitch on today's show. Uh, real quick, because I know you all hate when I get into the audio stuff. Um, as as I've told you, my wife joked, it wouldn't be an episode of the Choose Your Struggle podcast if you don't talk about the audio quality. That's not what I'm doing today. So this is real. Um, I used to record on an app called StreamYard online. Uh, that's also where I hosted Rock Bottom, A Day in the Life, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, I'm off of StreamYard. Uh, a lot of reasons. They, they suck. Um, it, look, they're a young company. They're trying really hard. That's why I got on with them in the first place. A lot of the people that I work with in this in this space are sort of other entrepreneurs, other new companies. I want to support them. I mean, we all need to support them in, in this business. Unfortunately, I gave StreamYard like a year and they it's just it's not getting better and, and they're not putting their money where their mouth is. Um, they weren't receptive to, to some of these ideas. Uh, and the final straw was when and something they told me they fixed still didn't work. And this time they blamed me. And I was like, guys, is it possible that your stuff just like, I mean, you're, you're kind of rolling this out haphazardly. And they're like, nope, your fault. So I'm off StreamYard. But what happened was this time they, they record in two tracks because, of course, um, and for some reason that recording failed. And so and for the first half of the show, it only got my audio through the recording of today's guest's audio. Um, and so I sound I sound like I'm through a telephone line uh, and then halfway through it jumped back in again. Um, and so I had to, it was like putting together a shitty puzzle. That's, that's what this, this session was. Um, but it was worth it. This, this episode is worth it because the guest is Shay Hauser. Um, you all know, uh, his, his organization U-Turn because Elizabeth McKissick was on last season, still one of the most popular episodes of this show. Uh, she's fantastic. I've talked about uh, U-Turn other times. I've had guests talk about U-Turn. So, um, Shay is another one of the co-founders, really incredible guy. 
uh, and and the, he gets super super real with his the, the sharing of his story with this episode. So um, enjoy that. One last heads up: the show will be off on Friday, September seventeenth, and Monday, September twentieth. I am um, having very very minor procedure done that week, uh, and I just won't have the time to to put this all together that week. Um, I'm fine. It's truly, it's, it's an elective. It's all fine, but it's more about the time than the procedure itself. So, uh, it will be off for, for, for a full week and then I'll be back with new shows. So you've got a couple weeks before that. Um, but also I will, I'm going to announce some cool news coming up in a couple weeks. Uh, so you'll also understand, um, just sort of where my time is going for the moment. Um, but before all that, most more important than all of my BS, enjoy this conversation with the the peerless Shea Hauser of U-Turn. Hey, y'all. It's Victoria Rowland, the host of Unseen, the Traffic Truth Podcast. I wanted to come on and tell you, please, please, please check us out. We're on all the major platforms for podcasts. We have our website, Unseen, the Traffic Truth Podcast, and we're on all the social media handles. You're wondering, what are we? We sharing and telling and exposing truths behind human trafficking, sex trafficking, the commercial sexual exploitation, the commercial sexual exploitation of children affecting the most marginalized communities. That's women of color males of color that's members of the lgbtqa two-spirit individuals listen to our stories we are not often heard we're not often seen our stories don't make the headlines but these are truths this is how you learn this is how you become compassionate to make change this is how you help us to be better even leaders in the anti-trafficking movement visit Listen, check us out. Unseen Traffic Truth Podcast. Thanks for sharing the podcast with your friends. If you're listening on Apple, please rate and review or check out the review link in the show notes. And don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Hey Jay, great to great to talk to you. Great to see you. I guess the listeners don't get to see, you, but I, I get to see you. So that's that's kind of cool. Um, you know, Shay Hauser. I'm one of the three co-founders of U-Turn. Uh, Elizabeth McKissick and Rich Jones, my two other co-founders. We started the company a couple of years ago, really to help educate families about the struggle around substance misuse. So we're taking a very different approach. Um, I'm in recovery. Elizabeth's in recovery. Rich is in recovery. I'm a slow learner, so I've gone through treatment four times. I'm just a knucklehead that way, but but certainly have immense lived experience along with my family on the other side of the lived experience. They are also a part of the U-turn platform from a video content and educational content perspective. So anyway, I'm happy to be here. I'm an entrepreneur at heart. This is my fifth startup. So um, you know, just, just again, I'm, I'm fired up to be alive and kicking and happy to be on the, on the podcast with you, man. So my listeners, you obviously know Shay's name and the name of U-Turn from our guest from last season, Elizabeth McKissick, who, you know, gave a, it's still in the top five of most listened to episodes of this show. 
um, because the U-turn family rolls deep. Y'all are, are amazing. And, and I will say that, Shay, you and I, when I was in your studio and I jumped on your platform, uh, it was myself, it was Rich, it was Elizabeth, and it was Ed, Edwin McCain. And you you weren't there that day. But here's what was funny, and you probably get this all the time. Elizabeth only wanted to talk about your story. Like She was like, my story's not important. Y'all need to know Shay's story. And so like this has been one that I've been looking forward to hearing now for over a year. That's too funny. Well, Elizabeth's modest because I assure you her story is strong too. And and mine is lame compared to Edwin's. <laughs> and Rich is Rich is very uh quiet about his story. So we're not sure about him. We, he just said he was he was really struggling 20 years ago. So 20 years is a lifetime ago. But uh, well, I, to I be fair. All of our stories pale in comparison to Edwin I'll be McCain. I mean, to have the number one song in the world, I don't think any of us can really, you know, compare with the the heights that he reached in the in the 90s. So uh, it doesn't surprise me to hear you say that. But we are here today to talk about Shay. So uh, as as I say all the time, those of us who do this work, it's not like we wake up one morning and go, yeah, we're going to work on, you know, drugs today, right? We all have that applied story. So, you know, when did you, I guess that the, the question to start with, when did you first realize like, oh shit, like this is a problem? Well, I, I'll tell you this. The, the first time I got drunk was freshman year in high school and Chip Damano came and picked me up at my parents' house. He had a brown VW Scirocco. I got in the back seat. We drove to the Bilo grocery store on the corner of East North Street. He asked me what I wanted. I told him St. Pauli Girl. There used to be like commercials for St. Pauli Girl. I, I don't know where that beer went. Maybe it's still around. I don't know. But I wanted I wanted that. That was like the cool beer that Shay needed. And uh, we went to the Eastside High School football game. We drank like a beer before we went in. And then we went to a party afterwards. And, and I think I drank maybe three of those St. Pauli Girls. And I remember being on the pavement on my back, looking up at a group of people thinking this is the greatest feeling ever in the world. Never let it end. And, you know, I, I rolled into the house that night and of course I got in trouble and, and my dad, you know, the, kind of the normal thing, I get put on restrictions and all that type of jazz. And it started a, a very destructive period of um, I'd say out of the norm rebellion in high school. And that, that led me to, it, virtually all the drugs that I ultimately used frequently. So certainly marijuana and, and cocaine. Uh, at that time, there wasn't really MDMA. So we used cocaine quite a bit more. And and then LSD. I mean, I, I, I used quite a bit of LSD throughout that time. And that that was certainly where things got off the track for me. Now, stepping back a little bit, Jay, I think my story is similar to a lot of folks that struggle with this stuff in that I can go back to, you know, sort of age five, six, seven. I remember being the most shy individual. Like I was a super shy kid. I was scared of everything. I mean, petrified. I couldn't move. I always wanted to be by my mom's side. I, I did not understand what was wrong with me and why other kids could go play and interact. I didn't know how to make friends. And, and this progressed, you know, through middle school where unfortunately I got, I got bullied pretty bad by, by this one dude. This went on for 
a solid year. And it was, it was certainly traumatic. Um, back then it wasn't traumatic. It was just, Hey, some dudes messing with me. Nowadays I can look back at it and some of the work I do and, and realize that was a traumatic period for me. And then high school was just, um, I, I couldn't find my way until I started drinking. And man, when I started drinking, I was super cool and super popular and people loved me. And I was going to all the parties and, and that became my persona. And I don't, you know, I don't even know who I was in high school because I was literally the entire time was an act. There was, I, I didn't know my, my true self. Um, look, for that matter, I don't think I really started to get to know my true self for the last, you know, 10 years since I've started doing the real work that, that's got to be done to, to, find recovery and, and, and really maintain it. But, you know, I, I went to a military college. Uh, what I learned in military college is how to binge drink um, because, you know, you can't, there's no alcohol on campus and it's all, it was an all male school. So no girls, there's no distractions, just dudes, 2000 dudes with a lot of testosterone and, and we were in uniform and, and, you know, that's just kind of what that place was. And I, I, I love that school, but they would let us out basically Friday night around five o'clock and we'd have to be in at either midnight and we were upper class since 1 a.m. So you had five or six hours to freaking tear it up, man. And, and like we would tear it up. So it was just a it was, you know, tip, most every weekend I would get basically blackout drunk. And, and that's just what we did. And there was nothing wrong with it. It was just what we did. Right. Fast forward to graduating from the Citadel. And this is kind of an interesting period because um, the alcohol wasn't considered a problem yet. The, the drugs weren't really that common. Um, I used them all, you know, but, but it wasn't like a constant issue, especially in a military college. So I didn't have any family pressures per se. There was worry, but it was not like the, the family was all on top of me. I did the normal things. And, and, you know, somebody struggling with drugs and or alcohol are going to do to get landed in jail. So DUI, public drunkenness, indecent exposure, you know, all those type of things. But even with that, there was not like, hey, you got to quit drinking. Hey, you're alcoholic. That wasn't there. It was kind of like Shay just likes to party and have a big time. When I got out of school, I went to work for a telecommunications company here in South Carolina and Man, I did like a I did like a reset with that. And I I literally I quit all drugs. I said I've gotta I've gotta be super clean because for me, I wanted to be successful. I wanted to prove myself to all the people that didn't believe in me. And I define success as wealth and material possessions. So for me, it was about go make money. And if I make money, I can run from my inferiority my fear of, you know, uh, you know, worthlessness, all of these things that were dragging me down. So I, I stopped doing drugs and I would drink on the weekends. So I really sort of carried through my college days of binge drinking on the weekends. And I did that in my work days. So I didn't drink during the week and that stopped Sunday night, but, but, you know, Friday night, Saturday, it was, it was game on work hard, play hard. And, and I did that really up until about, age 28 or 29. And at uh, it, it, that point, stuff started getting off the rails. I had had my first child. Uh, my wife and I were pregnant for, for the next child. And I was back in teenage rebellion zone. And I was going out a lot. It was no longer just the weekends. It was Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday night, and definitely, you know, 
a couple of big glasses of wine on Sunday to wind the weekend down. And it things just got progressively worse for me. Um, and all of the while, I was I was building various companies. I had started a company in 1997 with my brother. We got caught up in the dot-com boom. Um, so as 98, 99 was going on, my ego was out of control. My bank account was out of control. I was, I was just an asshole. I was not a person that I would ever want to hang out with. Like I would, I would not hang out with 29 year old Shay. Now, if I, if I met him, I would be sick of him in two minutes. That's, that's how I was. I tried to look back on that too bad, <laughs> too much because it is kind of embarrassing, but Hey, that, that's how we learn. So uh, b- before we, let's catch up to here though, because I'm okay. hearing a common refrain and I want to, I want to get your, your thought on this is that, all, all the while, you had these ideas about what you sort of – what success looked like is what you said. But even going farther back than that from high school, sort of what cool looked like, right? I mean what what being popular looked like. Is it is it fair to say that if you had gotten a better idea – that of of who you could be as a quote unquote popular guy, this all could have gone a very different direction. Or do you think that this was where you were heading from from day one? Look, I, I think a lot of things occurred during my childhood that impacted how I acted in high school and and today. And this is not any negative reflection of my parents in any way. It's just the reality is that your parents parent in a way they were parented. There was a a different approach to um, uh, corporal punishment. Okay. And, and things were different. My mom was a stoic Southern woman. We we didn't show a lot of emotion. Um, You know, so I, I think I was, brought up in a way that did not give me a lot of self-confidence. I, I don't know how else to say it. I, I had no self-confidence. I had no self-esteem. Um, so when I found the idea of alcohol empowering, um, that gave me this false sense of self-esteem. Success in business was identical. It was simply, I was still, I was, even though I was 25 years old or 30 years old, I still felt like I was 15 where I was trying to prove something to somebody hoping that it would make myself feel better. So, so yeah, so that's, I think the most important point is that I'm hearing is that if you had found a way, I guess, personally for, you know, yes, of course we all need the external uh, praise and, and, and being seen for a positive and good person. But if you had found a way to see your own self-worth in a better, healthier way, not tied up with these things, maybe this all doesn't go down this path. I don't think there's any doubt. I, I firmly believe that. I mean, if I had even an ounce of self-worth at that at that age, things could have been very different. I was a very, um, you know, I was a sick person at that age, and I did not know how to cope. I could not cope with the reality of high school and, and things like that without drugs or alcohol. I needed some way to get out. I did not know how to process my emotions. Hell, I didn't even know what emotion was. I just knew I was I was scared and angry most of the time. So, yeah, I mean, things certainly could have changed. And I and I carried all of that through well well into my thirties, Jay, as I was building these companies and doing this stuff. I I never went to AA. I never went to therapy. 
I, I just didn't. So I was emotionally clueless on uh, how to do work on myself and even how I felt about myself. I didn't, I never cracked the seal of Shay's not good enough. I just, I covered it up with, I, I'm, I'm going to buy a BMW and I'm going to go out to big dinners and I'm going to buy people wine and I'm going to, you know, I'm going to be a show off. And, and that's how I did it. Yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> so, you know, uh, that's, so that, that awareness, right. is something that I think a lot of people just never quite get to. And they keep chasing this idea of happiness that's sold to them. I mean, you even said yourself, the reason you wanted St. Polly's girl was that that's the ad you saw. Right. I mean, mm -hmm. and, and to think that that's how that impacted you as a, as a you know teenager, but we still have that as an adult, right. It's buy this car because this is the car that's going to make you cool. And what all this, you know, all that kind of stuff. Right. And then people keep chasing that down. So, so thinking back to you, when you sort of started going in this direction at 15 uh, you know what could as an adult and as a person who is much more in touch with himself now what could have helped you at that time find a self-worth or find happiness that wasn't down this path i i wish that i had a better opportunity and ability to talk with my parents um i, I just I, I just didn't have it it was it was a I don't know how to describe it again. I, lo I love my parents. My mom passed away. I love my dad. I was just with him at the beach this last week, but, but we just did not have an environment where we communicated about feelings. Um, I felt, I, I often felt talked at rather than talked with. And, and look, a lot of that I think is probably my shit. And again, my lack of self-worth, um, but, but certainly if I would have had even just a little bit of coaching along the way, not even a therapist, like just somebody sort of that's educated in the stuff in, 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 you know, teens, I think I could have gotten a lot out of that because the, I had no self-awareness and, and, you know, look, if there's anything I've gotten out of my struggles with drugs and alcohol, the, the, the numerous times through treatments, my self-awareness my ability to understand my emotions, my ability to not get angry. It's so rare that I get angry. I've only, I've only found myself angry a couple of times in the last five years. It, it used to be I lived on rage, not anymore. It's just so very different, but it's all because of the work that's allowed me to be aware of what's going on with my emotions. So I think that's, I mean, that's awesome, man. I'm, I'm, I'm super happy that you, you've done that work and you, you're in tune to yourself in that way now. So, so going to the story though, you go to the Citadel, which is sort of a tough place for someone who's looking for uh, more acceptance of themselves as a human being. Uh, my father-in-law is a Citadel grad, actually probably right, right around the time that, that, that you were. And I noticed you said it was all men. So obviously this is before uh, Nancy Mace went there as the first, first woman. So, so right around that time, my, my father-in-law was was graduating um did you serve after afterward did you go ahead back into civilian life i went straight into civilian life the, the great thing about the citadel though and, and i'm sure your father-in-law has told you this you know there's a sense of discipline that i still carry from that college into my life today the, the, my morning routine making the bed so it, it's an incredible school i, I love it and, and shout out to Congresswoman Nancy Mays, the, the first female Citadel graduate. She's a good friend of mine. I'm a huge supporter of hers. Separately, though, the thing about the Citadel is 
you get stripped down. Your 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 individual out your individuality is removed, and you are one of a group, and that's your classmates. And I I love that man. I mean, I really thrived around that because we were all the same thing. We were all just just knobs, at, you know, freshmen at the Citadel going through the same struggle. It allowed me to really bond with some dudes that that I, that I love to this day. And I liked that. I also knew intuitively that the military was probably not for me, although I almost signed a contract to go in my junior year and, and ultimately, you know, chose not to. And uh, so, yeah, you know, things obviously have been very, very different. I probably would have gotten kicked out of the military. So I'm, I'm glad I did not make that decision. And I'm also glad for the United States, the United States military that they were not dealt my my hand (laughs) so uh let's fast forward then you're in your late 20s and things are really getting rough you know i know you said you went in and out of treatment a couple of times Uh, so i guess since we don't have time for all of that could be an episode by itself Mm -hmm. uh what finally made you enter treatment and then i guess the, the last time if you think that this is the the honesty of your situation what made it stick for you Yes, yeah, so I finally went at age 40. Uh, it was my, my mom got diagnosed for cancer in, in June of 2010. I went to treatment on July 1, 2010. That was also a, one year almost to the day after my best friend killed himself. Mm-hmm. So it, it was and it was a it was a traditional intervention. I mean, I, we were down at my parents place in Alabama for the July 4th holiday. All the family comes in. I had had like a two day or, I mean, it was just, you know, an ugly run and my brother and sister, I was sitting at the pool house at like 9am that morning. I had just gotten home and I'll never forget my brother and sister walking across the yard. I was watching them walk to me and I was like, Oh, you know, shit, I know what this is going to be. And it was interesting because my brother sat down and he was like, dude, are you not tired of this? I was like, yeah. And, And my sister, Jen, she goes, Shay, why don't you just go get help for a little while and just take a time out? I was like, you know what? Let's do it. And and that was it. I mean, that, that was it. And we walked across the yard and walked into the house and told my wife, like, it's time to go. And we were gone. We were gone. Wow. You know, so that that was a great experience. I went for six weeks and, you know, I, I had a really emotional moment there where I felt like I had some spiritual connection and, uh, I I came out very committed to long-term sobriety, although I was keeping it very simple one day at a time. Um, I I also knew that I never wanted to drink again while my mom was alive. For my mom, it was terminal cancer, and she wanted more than anything else in the world. She wanted me to be sober. And and so that was a commitment that I had made. And and, uh, essentially, I stuck to that and, and got about four and a half years of sobriety in six weeks after my mom passed away, I relapsed. And um, lesson, the lesson there is don't put an end date on sobriety, right? So because for me, that was saying when my mom dies, I could drink. Uh, so I kind of reverse engineered that. And, and the relapse uh, was 
I think it was about an 18 month relapse and, and it got, it got really ugly and I was suicidal. I was holed up in a hotel room with a load of 38 after about a two day bender on, on, you know, as much cocaine as I could put my body and, you know, as much alcohol as I could put my body. What was crazy is I, I was getting room service, you know, at, at 10 or 11 in the morning on day two and maybe day three, I can't really remember. And the people were coming in with like, 10 Budweiser's and a, and a bottle of wine. And I've got a, a, a 38 in cocaine on the table. Nobody said a word, right? I was just blackout. Just, I don't know. That was kind of crazy, but I, uh, I had gone to treatment a couple more times. And, and finally that, that was uh, Edwin, my buddy, Edwin, I had sent Edwin a video and uh, I had the gun in my hand and I was, I was incoherent and nobody knew where I was. And what's interesting, the, the guy that I was getting the cocaine from was scared to death. I think that I was going to die and it was going to be on him. And he ultimately came and got me and took me back to my house. And my wife had been calling the police and, and you know, the hospitals for two days, nobody could find me. And uh, she got in touch with my brother and Edwin and uh, they basically gave me a couple of Ativan, knocked me out. I was down for like a day and a half. And I basically, I woke up Monday and Edwin was there and he drove me to a place in Atlanta called Talbot, which is where he went. And I stayed 12 weeks. And, you know, I like, I like to believe that that one took and that, that I'm a very different individual today than I was going in the door. You know, maybe the biggest difference is when I was there, I got to... I really got to unpack some trauma that happened back in 2004. I was abducted uh, out of a bar by three guys. I was beaten. Uh, I was robbed. I was rolled out into a field with uh, some underwear on. And then I woke up later uh, in pitch black darkness in somebody's house. And and one of the guys apparently had come back and got me. And uh so there's a lot of trauma related to that, as you can imagine. And, you know, it was the date rape drug. You know, it was a lot of GHB, I believe. So I don't even know really fully what happened. But I know that I was I was bloody and I was beaten and I was alone with a guy in a house. And, and you know, that's what that was. So, I, you know, as I started to really deal with that and just some other trauma at, at Talbot and built a really strong network, I I became committed, man. I mean, I was just, I was just ready. And when I left, I, I saw how much my relapse had, had impacted my 16 year old daughter. And and that was just life changing, man, for me. I, 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 I always told myself this lie that my drinking and drug use really wasn't impacting the family because I wasn't violent. I didn't yell and Bob, you know, all that stuff. The, the reality was my 16 year old daughter was, was traumatized by relapse after relapse and you know, we can't find dad and dad is going to die. Mom's calling the police and she's watching all this stuff and she's going to private school for 12 weeks. Well, you know, I heard your dad's in rehab. I mean, it was just not cool. And, and that's ultimately where the seed of U-turn got planted. Well, that is a perfect transition. Uh, obviously, first, I really appreciate you sharing so much of this. And, uh, you know, this podcast is all about vulnerability. So thank you so much for that. Before we go in towards U-Turn in, in the next part of your the next chapter of your story, let's pause and shout out where people can find you online and all that kind of good stuff. 
Absolutely, man. I appreciate it. So U-Turn.net, that's Y-O-U-T-U-R-N.net. And then we're on all the socials. It's U-Turn Social. You can find us on Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, et cetera. So hit us up. We're happy to help engage with anyone personally or any company that believes there's some struggles with stress, anxiety, depression, or substance misuse. And I will say also check out uh, Shay's LinkedIn, which I'll put in the show notes because I learn a lot from your LinkedIn and I appreciate all that you share. Awesome. The Choose Your Struggle podcast has been so lucky to have numerous truly change-making authors on this show. From Adi Jaffe to Emily Dufton, we have been blessed by hearing them speak and now it's time to grab their works. Now, you could go to Amazon if you wanted to shop online, but let's be honest, that's not the right choice. So I'm going to invite you to head over to my partner, Bookshop. If you go to bookshop.org slash shop slash CYS, again, that's bookshop.org slash shop slash CYS, you're going to find all of your favorite books and you're going to support the podcast in the process. But that's not even the best part. Bookshop has an incredible program that allows you to select your favorite mom and pop or neighborhood bookstore, and they will give them some of the proceeds from your order. Now, living here in Philly, that's been a really hard choice because we have fantastic bookstores all over, but I selected Harriet, which is a truly wonderful black-owned bookstore in northern Philly. I love it. My wife loves it. We go there as much as we can. Honestly, why would you go anywhere else? So again, go check out Bookshop at bookshop.org shop CYS. You're going to find the book you're looking for. You're going to support your neighborhood bookstore, and you're going to support the podcast in the process. So check it out today and go ahead and buy that book you've been waiting for. Find me on social media. Check the link in the show notes or search for me, Jay Schiffman, on YouTube and LinkedIn, and choose your struggle on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You know, as, as we said on the way in, obviously, Elizabeth has been on this show and told us a lot about the idea or, or, or the work of U-Turn. But one thing I think is, is uh, or at least I don't remember as much in detail, is the actual uh, founding of this organization. So so you kind of alluded to this at the end of the first half, but how did you, you know, move towards founding this this awesome organization? So when I left, when I left Talbot, when I left treatment, it was February of 2018 and I had gotten fired from, from my job while I was in treatment. It was great. Like, let me, let me just back up a little bit. Eight days in treatment. I got, I got fired. Uh, two weeks later, I was notified I was going to get divorced. And about uh, three weeks later, four weeks later, which was Christmas, my daughter wouldn't let me come home for Christmas. So it was just really not cool for me. I did not enjoy it, but I know that I've made life hell for, for my loved ones for a long time. At any rate, I so I came out of Talbot in February of 2018. I had no job, but at the same time, I've been communicating with Rich Jones. Uh, Rich was CEO at Favor Greenville, Faces and Voices Recovery in Greenville. I had known Rich for years. Rich had actually been coaching me. Uh, prior to me going into Talbot, that's not any indication of Rich's ability to coach somebody. I'm just a really hard case. 
Rich, Rich is very good. I promise you, he's gonna be That's pissed funny. when he hears this. But <laughs> but so I'd known Rich. Look, my family helped give money to Favor. I supported Favor. Elizabeth, our other co-founder, of course, was the chair of the original capital campaign to build Favor. For for the listeners that don't know Favor, Favor is a nationally recognized nonprofit that supports families and individuals struggling with substance issues. It was named Program of the Year by the Department of Justice in 2018 in, in just numerous awards since that time, along with uh, being the only peer coaching organization in the country to be in a three-site clinical trial with NIDA. So NIDA is studying uh, favors techniques in peer coaching. Nobody else can say that. This is important because Rich and I reconnected. He was trying to figure out how to generate some revenue at Favor because Favor was growing exceptionally fast because Greenville, South Carolina is growing so fast. Population growth. Favor's pure philanthropy based. So it's just families giving money. There's only so many families that can give so much money. Rich was up to 27 employees. You know, there was they couldn't fill the need for everybody. I mean, it was it was it favor covers every demographic, every substance, as you can imagine, since it's all free services. So he was like, dude, you, you know, you're not working. Can you help me try to figure out how to generate some revenue? He knew my business background in technology. And I said, man, I, I got nothing going on. I'd love to help. And, and really what happened very quickly, Jay, was I, I recognized that the majority of the people that were coming to favor. They were not the individual that was struggling with drugs or alcohol. It was the family. So you're talking thousands of families each year rolling into this place, talking about brother, sister, mom, dad, kid. And Favor was founded to support the individual that was struggling. But over time, it began to see all these family members coming in. And and what I said to Rich was, you know, it seems like they need a different program. And it also seems like you're spending a huge amount of your time educating the families. But yet we don't have any real like materials for the families, various PDFs or PowerPoints, and different fonts and, you know, different coaches say different things. Why don't we create some content specifically for the family that will help the coaches be more efficient and help the families learn? And, and so we started running with that and, and it, it evolved pretty quickly into we should create video, which turned into me talking to Edwin McCain. And Edwin's like, look, we've got the studio in Greenville. You can use the studio. So all of a sudden we had an entree to, you know, a, a platinum recording artist studio and sound and lights and the producer and cameras and the whole nine yards. And so we said, look, I, why don't we make content and, and why don't we start from there? And it's obviously evolved significantly over the last couple of, you know, three years at this point, but that was how we started this thing. And, and I will say, obviously, and again, my listeners have heard this from, from Elizabeth, but you know, I was there, I've seen this myself and the studio is amazing. The content you're putting out is pretty incredible. Uh, and, and, to toot your horn for a second, there aren't a lot of places doing the work that you're doing. I mean, this is very unique stuff, and it's a little sad that that's the case because this is so needed. Uh, obviously, we all wish that there was more like this, but you know, that's sort of a props to to y'all at U-Turn for doing this work that a lot of people aren't doing at the moment. Yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, look, the, the majority of the industry, the the significant majority of the industry is is really focused on the willing participant. So somebody that is 
either curious about reducing their drinking. So they're trying to figure out they're making a conscious effort to cut back or, you know, there's been struggling with opioids and now they're on Suboxone. Maybe they're going through a clinic or people that are leaving rehab. And how do I keep sober from day 30 to day 365? And there's a ton of companies doing that work. I love all those companies. I love that work. I think it's fantastic. But we believe due to the work at the nonprofit at Favor that the family is the missing link. The family is the missing link. And the treatment industry, for, for as long as it's been around, has focused exclusively on Shay, right? Focus on the person that's got the struggle, get them into treatment or into AA, and then things are going to get better. And, and God, that's simply not the case. I mean, I wish it was that easy. It's simply not that easy. And if we can educate the family, and help them begin to understand what is going on with the loved one, okay? In the same way the family would educate themselves if the loved one had cancer. Get educated on this disease of addiction. That in and of itself will facilitate better communication between the struggling individual and the family. What that does is super important. It reduces the stress on the struggling individual minimizes the anxiety, facilitates a little more honesty, even though God knows we're going to lie, but it facilitates a little more honesty. That reduction in pressure, anxiety, stress can help the struggling individual find sobriety and recovery faster. And it can bring the family back together quicker. We believe with our with the way we're approaching it, we can actually slow the multi-generational aspect of the disease of addiction. So we're just taking a very different approach at, at how we get to folks and how we help folks. So that obviously for, I, I appreciate that you used the word, the, the, the willing participant to talk about how the, the treatment facility really, or, or industry tries to, to focus on person individual. Now, what do you do? Cause you focus on the family and that's such an important piece, but this is something I've seen firsthand when I've done some coaching work with families what do you do when the family's coming to you and it's like, or, or maybe this has never happened, but I'd be shocked, uh, where they're, you know, uh, the, the mom's like, oh my God, my son's addicted. And, and, and you're like, okay, tell me about the situation. It turns out uh, the person's not really, but but they're just using and the, and the family doesn't want them to be using. Like, how do you facilitate these discussions in the family to be like, Look, if if they're having a if if this was you know alcohol and they were having a drink on some nights and then they were fine, like why are you feeling this certain way, or or is this not a discussion that y'all have that often? Oh shoot, dude, this is it's a major issue. Okay, good. I, I didn't yeah. want to I didn't want to be stepping on toes, but I was like, what do you do in this moment? <laughs> no, it's it's um you know we see both sides of the equation, and you know so the way U turn works is companies typically you know subscribe to U turn for the benefit of their employees. So it's a, it's an employee benefit, no different than any other employee benefits. It's just a confidential service. So the company is never aware of what's going on with the employee or the family. The, the family, the, the employee typically, they'll log onto the platform. They're gonna watch a little bit of content. What's super interesting is we will see people log on, they'll watch three or four videos, and then they won't log on for 30 days. Then 30 days later, they're back on and they're watching three or four more videos. And then it's 60 days. So something's going on, right? 
It may just not have hit a point in which they're willing to ask for help. At any time when they're on the platform, they can connect with us either over email or chat. If they if they want to talk to us, we will call them. So we will we will triage any situation. I think this is one of the biggest value adds of U-turn inside of the enterprise space. We will not ever let an employee hang, right? So I mean, if there's an issue going on, we triage it. But to your point, Jay, one of the most common scenarios is mom or dad do not have a drug or alcohol issue. So it's it's Mary, she's 45 years old, she's in account, no drug or alcohol issue, but guess what? She's used all of her PTO up by March, okay? She's stressed out, she's anxious, she's not productive. What is going on? Well, her 17-year-old daughter is struggling with drugs or alcohol, right? Hasn't been home in two days. That's the typical scenario. It's not the dude at the office that everybody knows is getting hammered all the time. Of course, we can help that individual if they're willing, right? We can we can meet them where they are and start working on them. The majority of the issue, almost every issue, is the is the employee that's got a spouse or a kid that's struggling. So that that's that that mom comes through, right? She comes through the platform, she watches some content, she reaches out, and here's the here's the here's what we hear. I found another bag of marijuana in my 17-year-old daughter's car. Where do we send her to rehab? Okay. And it's like Oh, you know, before we institutionalize your 17 year old, okay, with with 50 and 60 year old women, okay, let, let's let's try to understand what's going on. And a lot of times we'll peel back the onion, and it's it's literally like they found a little bit of stuff. And I'm not trying to minimize it, but just a little bit of marijuana in the car, and maybe the second time, a month later, there was some more. Okay, and it's panic mode. And they, they don't know what to do, and they're not educated. And if they Google addiction, they get pounded with ads from rehabs. So all they see on Google is rehab facilities. And then when they call their friend, who, by the way, has no experience with drugs or alcohol, the friend's like, oh, well, you know, so-and-so said X, and you got to send them to rehab. Look, I, I personally love rehab. Like, I enjoyed it as much as anybody. That's why I kept going back. But But – I, you know, I, I think rehab is the right environment for certain situations. It is not every situation. There's a lot of work we could do both with mom, dad, and the child in that situation. And, and more than likely in those situations, it's mom and dad that need the majority of the work, not the child is what we ultimately find out. Man, I just, I appreciate that. That First off, saying I love rehab, that's the first time it's ever been said on this show. So thank you. <laughs> that's hilarious. Uh, but I really, I, Shay, I really appreciate that. And, and, and my listeners know I don't have people from like treatment centers and stuff on here because it's sort of like, you know, when you're when you're a carpenter, right? Or when you're a hammer, everything is a nail, you know? And, and the fact is, as you said, rehab is the right answer for some people, but there's so much other work that can go into this. And it's the people like you, it's the guys like, D Jaffe out at Ignited, uh, Tim Harrington doing his work, like y'all who are looking at this and saying, but wait a minute, there's a, there's a lot of gap between zero to a hundred, right? There's a lot in there that we can be doing. Why is, why is most of this industry going straight to the extreme of institution, right? Man, you, you, I mean, you hit the nail on the head and, and look, we, we, we work, let me, let me just say this, like U-Turn works with treatment centers. We have we have leading treatment centers as customers, and we work with treatment centers that we believe in. Okay, having said that, they will readily admit not everybody is a patient for treatment, right? I mean, 
it, it really is individualized in certain centers, specialized in certain things. Some really work with trauma. Some really work with, you know, uh, females under age 20 that have, you know, sexual trauma. There, there's just so many issues. But one shoe size does not fit all. And you, you, you hit the nail on the head, man. It doesn't have to be zero to 100. There's all these uh, support mechanisms in between that before we take the, you know, before we go to treatment. Treatment is a very big decision for families for, for many, many reasons. And the age of the individual uh, must be weighed uh, along with simply their mental state, ensuring what facility they need to go to. But, but yeah, I, I think there's a lot of work we can do to help people get things under control or stabilized, and they may never, ever need to go to treatment. And I think that that sadly is something that you don't hear enough of from those of us who do this work is is that's going, you know, maybe treatment's not the right answer for this person, right? I mean, it may be, but 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 there's not this general sense. And, and I do love that from U-Turn that there is other capabilities there in the middle. Now, you know, as, as I mentioned on the way in, I know that uh, since the last time we heard from U-Turn, y'all have had a little bit of changes, right? You've got some new stuff coming down. Talk a little bit about what's going on there now and kind of what we can expect coming from from U-Turn in the next uh, six months to a year. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've had a, a super exciting last 12 months. Uh, probably the biggest progress or uh, program that we've we've worked on is with the South Carolina Veterans Administration. So we've gotten to know the, the folks at the South Carolina VA. Uh, General William Grimsley is the head of the South Carolina VA. He's in charge of all military affairs inside of the state with the, with the veterans here. Tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of individuals, actually. Um, so we're working a program along with our partners at Heritage Health Solutions to provide veterans with a combination of peer recovery support coaching and the utilization of U-turn content, both for the individual and for the family. These individuals at the VA are folks that have, in many cases, gone through treatment, uh, either you know through the VA treatment center or uh, through one of the, the VA centers that they partner with, somebody like the Meadows uh, in Wickenburg, Arizona, also one of our customers. So we're engaged with these folks, and uh, it has been incredibly meaningful work. We do suicide assessments. Of course, stress, anxiety, depression assessments, um, and and then coach them on on alcohol. It's been eye opening, not in a good way. Sixteen uh, percent of the veterans we engage with uh, rate high or moderate risk of suicide through a suicide assessment. I mean, I want you to think about that. That's almost one in five veterans that we work with are are, are struggling with suicide. Uh, many of them have already attempted suicide. And we have engaged in situations that have uh, sort of uh, called off the suicide in almost, I think it's six times right now. So we've been heavily engaged in this. It's, it's meaningful work. So that, that program is being expanded. The South Carolina VA has asked us to come back with a multi-year contract, expanding the program by as much as three times to go to all the rural areas. So we're, we're super excited about that. And then what, the other thing that we've worked on uh, in conjunction with Heritage Health Solutions, we're also working with Tim Harrington and J.D. over, over at New Life, is a program specifically for treatment centers. And the idea here, Jay, is really simple. 
when the when the individual goes to treatment, the family also gets a program. The family gets a family coach along with U-turn for one year. So the family gets their own program as the individual's in treatment. Then when the individual leaves treatment, they also get a peer recovery coach plus U-turn for 12 months. You know, when, when, when you leave treatment, man, you leave treatment. You, 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 it's like it all, the only thing I can compare it to is driving home from the hospital with my baby. It's like, what? You're letting me out of the hospital right now? I mean, it took an hour to put the baby in the car. I'm like scared to death driving. We just wanted, I wanted bubble wrap. And that's what it's like leaving treatment. And when you leave treatment, the family has no clue what's going on. So the family gets a coach, the individual gets a coach. It's, I honestly cannot believe somebody didn't think of this earlier. This is not rocket science, but it's, it's the program that we know will work and treatment centers are beginning to sign up for this. It's going to make a huge impact. I'm so fired up about it because we're going to be able to help families really begin to understand what's happening. And that is going to facilitate much greater recovery. It's going to be better outcomes for the treatment centers. And it also reduces pressure on the treatment centers for the aftercare after the individual leaves. So, you know, that's sort of the, the second piece of the program that's been that's been expanding. And of course, we're doing work inside of the corporate space. Um, we've got a Fortune 500 customer now. We have a couple of very well-known brands that I can't yet mention that are considering pilot programs. One is doing a pilot program, and that should get announced in the next, uh, I, I think, probably 30 days. But that's going to be super exciting because it is a it is a very well-known national brand. It's taking uh, U-Turn plus Heritage Health Solutions coaching. The entire program is called Heritage Cares, which we're a, a part of and, and believe strongly in. So a lot of excitement, man. I mean, I'm, I'm fired up and I'm just I'm blessed to be able to do this work and, and work with some incredible people like Elizabeth and Rich and Hamilton Baden and, and, and folks like that. So uh, just grateful to be here, dude. Well, I, I am super excited to hear all of that. And before we get to the final question, I will ask one more on that line. You know, if you're a family member or business owner, it sounds like reach out to you because there's a lot going on. But I will ask one in this case, let's say you work for a company and you're hearing this and you're like, holy, like this is literally what I need. My company doesn't offer this, you know, and and let's be honest, approaching your boss and saying, hey, can you reach out to U-Turn? That's that's kind of scary for a lot of people, right? So so if you if, if someone's listening to this and they're enthusiastic about this, how would you tell them to to go about trying to facilitate their 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 company doing this it, it, look i mean it's super simple the, the reality is so so u-turn is it starts with stress anxiety and depression the acronym is sad every company has an issue a problem with stress anxiety and depression right now period it, it was it was an issue pre-covid just nobody paid attention to it nowadays it is the issue if you have employees that are stressed and anxious, they are going to mood alter. They're either going to eat chocolate cake. They're going to place a bet. They're going to go chase men or women. They're, you know, compulsive sexual behavior, or they're going to drink a bottle of wine. The outcome doesn't matter. You got to teach them how to deal with the stress and anxiety. That's what U-Turn does. It's all about stress, anxiety, and depression. Then then, as we peel the onion back, we know that there's a subset of employees 
that are struggling. And we know that there's a big chunk of employees that are going home to this stuff. So it's, it's really about that portion of it. What we try to tell the employers that we work with is this is not about drugs and alcohol. This is about resilience. This is about employee resilience and productivity. And right now you have a productivity issue that is being caused by stress and anxiety that we're not dealing with. Underlying all that stress and anxiety is a shitload of booze and drugs. If you want to ignore it, ignore it, but it is there. Okay. So, so that's really the deal, man. And some companies are not even going to discuss it. They're going to say, we have a drug-free workplace and we have an employee assistance program. So we're good. I've had, I've had a CEO of a construction company tell me to my face that they do not have a drug and alcohol problem. A construction company. So he was serious and he was pissed at me for asking. He was offended because he says he knows everything about drugs and alcohol and they've got a program in place. So, you know, we I have heard it all. Okay, and unfortunately, Jay, the majority of U-Turns customers are post event, meaning post suicide, post overdose, post overdose of an employee's son you know, post-suicide of employee son, whatever it may be. And that is the thing that makes it untenable for the senior management team. And a lot of times that's the light bulb and it's unfortunate, but if that's the light bulb, you, you know, I hate it, but it allows us to go in there and really start helping employees that have no clue what to do with their spouse. They're thinking about divorce, have no clue what to do with their kid. The kid's running away. That's what's going on at companies, and it's never talked about, and no employee is going to talk to HR about that. No employee is ever going to go into HR and say, I'm struggling with cocaine. I don't want to raise. I don't want a promotion. Okay, It's not going to happen. So you've got to have a confidential service to address that. Here I am on my soapbox. I get fired up, and but, but this is the deal, and we just want to help people. Well, you've got me convinced. So one more time before we go to the final questions, where can people find you? Where can people reach out? How can they get involved with U-Turn? Yeah, hit us up anytime at U-Turn.net, Y-O-U-T-U-R-N.net. And U-Turn Social, it's at U-Turn Social. You can get us at Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn as well. Well, I love it. Uh, Thank you so much for all of this, Shay. We always finish with the the same two questions. Number one, uh, what are your self-care habits? My self-care is starts the minute I wake up. So I spend, you may laugh, but I spend the first two and a half hours of the day uh, reading, writing, meditating, walking before I do anything. I, I, I try to get up around 5.15, 5.30. And, and, you know, I don't schedule calls before nine. And that first three to four hours of the day is mine. There's meditation, spa music on, there's incense. And, and that's my thing. And, you know, I go to bed at 930 and, and I read a ton and I'm not afraid to take a nap during the day. If I'm tired, I take a nap. If I want to go take a walk, I take a walk. If I've got a call, I may tell the individual, hey, you might hear some cars. I'm going to go take a walk. But for, for me, self-care is crucial because for me to operate at my very best for both U-Turn and my family, I need to be calm and peaceful. Period. You get the best out of Shay when he's calm and peaceful. So I'm going to build a world in which that's the priority. And, and that's what I've done. 
I love it. And I think that calm and peaceful Shay needs to be your next hashtag. I love it. <laughs> so we've now spent the last five, uh, 50 minutes learning why you're amazing, why U-Turn's incredible. We got to be following all that you guys are doing. But this is your chance to shout out some people that you follow, people that have had an, a big impact on you that we should all go check out, whether it's reading, uh, listening to, watching, whatever it is that you think we should all be checking out. Yeah, well, I'll, for my podcast go-tos, of course, are, are Tim Ferriss and Rich Roll. Rich Roll is fantastic. He's he's uh, a couple of decades now in sobriety and ultra marathon are just an incredible dude. And he, he has unbelievable guests for anybody thinking about emotional well-being. Uh, I think Rich Roll's podcast is phenomenal. Um, of course, Edwin McCain is a huge supporter of ours, and he does a lot of great work for a number of different charities. My partners, Rich Jones and Elizabeth McKissick, I love. And then the folks at Heritage Health Solutions, I cannot say enough about this company. They have been doing work for the U.S. Marshals and for the South or for the VA nationwide for two decades. Unbelievable work. U-Turn is a crucial part of their Heritage Cares program. And uh, we just love the folks. And Hamilton Baden is the leader at that place. So those are the folks I love, along with many, many other podcasts, folks like Esther Perel, who helps keep me calm and Pema Chodron. And, uh, and I'm also a big history buff. So don't get me started on history. Well, Shay, thank you so much. This has been enlightening. And, uh, you know, you are very clearly passionate about this. It comes through. And I think my listeners are going to really appreciate that passion. Awesome. Well, Jay, I appreciate the time, man. Thanks for the platform. Hey, y'all. It's me, your host. I'm sorry to interrupt what I'm sure is a fantastic episode of the podcast, but I have to give a quick shout out to my partner, Roadrunner CBD. They have been working with me for a while now, and I just love their products. They have everything from tinctures to muscle gels, and all of them are fantastic. You know, I rub the muscle gel on my legs before I run, and they keep me feeling pretty good, which is saying something. So check out Roadrunner today at their website, www.roadrunnercbd.com slash ref, R-E-F slash C-Y-S. Again, that's roadrunnercbd.com slash ref slash C-Y-S. And use the code C-Y-S at checkout to let them know that I sent you and get 10% off. Trust me, you're going to love this. I've sent some of their products to a couple different people and they've all become repeat customers. So check it out today and don't forget to let them know that Choose Your Struggle sent you. Subscribe to my Patreon for behind the scenes looks at the podcast, sneak peeks, and bonus data. You'll also get a discount on Choose Your Struggle merch. Find it at patreon.com slash choose your struggle. All right, we've come to the end of another episode of the Choose Your Struggle podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Shay. Y'all know I'm a big U-Turn fan. Uh, I, I, When I was living in Charleston, I didn't get to talk about this stuff that much uh, because, unfortunately, down in that area, you know, talking about mental health, um, it just isn't done. Talking about addiction usually is coached through some really old and harmful uh, stigma and just, it's just bad. It's just bad. And, and so when I found U-Turn, I was so delighted. And I found them because Elizabeth McKissick, who you heard last season, reached out. You know, it was that simple. And then I got to go up and interview 
with them and, and it's just I just so much appreciate what they're doing um, for, for people who are struggling and to help change the narrative around drug use in 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 a place where that's that's tough that is hard work and I, and I salute them for it so we're going to use the believe in yourself cards today uh, obviously Shay had to really do that to 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 enter recovery and, and, and as he said kind of make it stick this time so props to him in his honor we're going to use the the believe in yourself card pack this is a great card um i, I need this card today because as i said earlier on the intro i am emotionally spent self-kindness even in the most microscopic of doses is transformative thank you blurt for that card pack, for that card. It's true. Um, just taking a moment to do something for you. And I'm going to do that after this. I'm going to finish recording this and I'm just going to pause. I'm going to take a take an hour. You know, the Reds are on. I'll probably just go watch the Reds or something and just, just relax because I'm, 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 not, I'm not doing well today. I'm and not, not like I'm struggling. I mean, I'm just, I'm not working well. I'm beat. I'm just tired. Um, <laughs> my my dog Nell is curled up next to me, so I might I might just grab her and, and force her to watch the game with me. But anyway, yes, that's a great card. Take some time for self kindness, and that's going to be sort of your your good egg. Not that specifically, but you know, being at this this uh, the awareness or the, the honoring of the overdose awareness day yesterday. Um, it was sad, uh, you know, all of us, were, there were a lot of tears as, as we were all sort of like, you know, those of us, there, there were probably six, seven of us of, who have lived through an overdose and, and we were all sort of having this recognition that uh, those pictures on the, in the, you know, that could have been us, right? I mean, that's a hard thing to, to see. We are the lucky ones. Um, I was holding this sign, as I mentioned on the way in, that this is what an overdose survivor looks like. And we were all taking pictures with it. And so many people came over to, like, congratulate us, hug us. And, and, and they were all people who had lost family members. So um, this is I – mean, I do this one a lot, but, you know, it is the most important good egg that you can do. Reach out to someone who's struggling. Show them you love them. Be there for them. And just don't – you don't want to – know what those family members were going through you know you don't want to know what it felt like to get up there and honor a loved one who had lost their battle so tell them you love them show support and, and be there that's your that's your good egg but above all else as always the most important thing be vulnerable show your empathy spread your love and choose your struggle <laughs>